Have you ever heard of the term of being a backseat driver? What does that mean? It's an interesting term, right? Listen in as we discuss how this plays a role in our lives. So today our topic is really interesting in its way. We are talking to about how do we care for ourselves? Like what does it mean to be a backseat driver and just how we navigate life if we have to take a step back and let someone else's um, needs be first. So Janelle, have you ever experienced having to be a backseat driver? You know, uh, yeah, all the time. Um, you know, just being a teacher, I've had, obviously I have kiddos or even I'm sure parents deal with this all this time when you have to put your needs to the side and take care of, you know, these babies that I got in my classroom. Um, that's like the first example that comes up. What I need comes last as opposed to what their needs are. And I think that's what drives my work every day. What about you, Shaz? Have you ever had to be a backseat driver? Definitely. Um, I think I can agree with you well, when it comes to high school age students like you know right. they come single day with all these different needs whether it's an emotional physical need um and that kind of like takes over you I'm like okay I got to be the parent at this moment and I got to figure out how you know I'm gonna help this kid because currently this kid is mine so you know you take in all that energy and then you forget to put your needs first whether it's like having to use the restroom you know simple things as like having to use the Very restroom true. like not eating when you haven't eaten and it's like already two o'clock the day's gonna end but you know you're just so focused on helping all these people um that you lose focus of yourself and in the end you know I've realized that sometimes you know trying to help the world like you can't help the world you're gonna kind of have to put yourself at some point um but I think that with this with the school system yeah definitely I'm hypersensitive to other people and putting their needs and kind of worrying so much more about so many other people. I can't imagine how like being a back, having to be a backseat driver consistently, right? Where I had to put everyone else's needs before mine, like Shazi was saying, like that could take so much energy. Like you can really deplete yourself in that way. So how, what are things, since we've all said we've done it, right? What are some ways that we've kind of had to care for ourselves while having to be a backseat driver like what do you do in the classroom when you realize like oh I need like I do have to go to the bathroom someone has to help me at this point right or I think it goes back to I and this is the example I always think of we've all ridden in a plane and you know they tell you before you help someone else to put your oxygen mask on first and so you have to have that mentality. I can't help others if I don't take care of myself, but it's a struggle. I don't know that I've even been able to say that I have pinpointed the, the best way to do that and take care of myself before taking care of others. Um, in the classroom, sometimes it is impossible. I have no choice. I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. I have to put their needs before my own. Um, but then when I am able to, I do. So it's, it's a battle. I don't know that I've been able to figure that out yet. What yeah. about you, Shazia? Have you been able? Please tell me your ways. For tell me, us. Tell us. For me, it's definitely still is a struggle. 
And unfortunately, it's something that I'm currently working on. This is like my new 2022 goal is that I don't realize that I need to take care of myself until I like start shutting down. Like, like Mm. my my whole body, just like, I just feel sick. Like I mentally and physically, like, I feel like I can't do this anymore. So um, what I've told myself is that I'm going to be a little more stern and a little bit more strong and just have to voice how I feel so if I have to use the bathroom or if I need a break I'm get support from others like can you keep an eye on this kid like you know while I go use the bathroom or like why I like just like breathing and out for like five minutes or why I like scruff something down real quick you know because like Janelle said, if I don't put my oxygen mask on, then what kind of valuable information and I'm, am I going to tell my next kid, you know, if I'm like stressed and if I'm like going through all these emotions and all these things, well, that's going to project onto them and I don't want them to feel that way. So I'm, I'm forcing myself to take charge. Boundaries and support from others. That's yes. good. Love it. I love it. I think, you know, we always come back to that boundaries, right? And that balance and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out balance. Um, We actually have been super, I guess, fortunate enough to not have to have deal with it in our immediate circle, right? And so these are like our workplace settings. So we can kind of make those boundaries a little bit more. Or um, for me, like it builds up on my anxiety, but I know how to distance myself from my family members. So I don't feel like I'm pushing on to that. But um, I actually want to introduce a friend who actually had it in her immediate circle and I'll let her tell you guys the story but she has had to be that backseat but driver um in this kind of scenario and um luckily enough it's a friend that we all love that we've all known for so long and um podcast world here's Heather (laughs) hello hello Thank you for joining us today. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and um, how long have we known each other, Heather? Girl, I know you and I have gone back to like middle school. Yes, it's been so, forever. It's been we a can't long. even calculate. <laughs> I know. I'm not doing math today. <laughs> y'all do math. Y'all figure that one out. But it's been a long time. <laughs> So tell us, Heather, um, we know that the background information we have is that you're a caregiver. You are constantly the backseat driver. So tell us how that came about. How are you a caregiver? Tell us your story. Yeah, sure. So um, I am a formal backseat driver um, and (laughs) I am pretty much, uh, I am my mom's caregiver. So Uh, Back in 2016, she fell sick and um, eventually uh, was diagnosed with a rare brain disease. Um, It's called autoimmune encephalitis. And um, ever since, it's been a journey to say least in trying to really understand the disease, uh, being able to balance it when it gets out of control and when it's good. It's good. Uh, but overall it, it's really been a struggle and a journey. I think the journey is really the best word for it because it's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of setbacks, but huge strides forward. And to this day, you know, almost six years later, we're continuing that journey. So 
with that comes a lot of backseat driving on doctor appointments, making sure that I'm an advocate for her, being able to ensure that she's set up an organization of her day-to-day. So that looks like making sure that her medicines, there are a lot. So making sure that her medicines are good to go for the day, for the week. I do a lot of the cooking, a lot of the cleaning just due to her disease, uh, kind of trumping some of her abilities to do things because there's been a lot of complications. So I'm really this overall, I take care of myself and the household, but I'm also taking care of a whole nother person who is grown. So it's not like taking care of a child because a child guiding and, you know, like developing them. But for my mom, you know, I love her dearly and it's a struggle to see her sick when she is really sick, but we enjoy the good days. So, you know, it really becomes this balance of learning to take the good with the good and work through the bad together, but I become the voice and I become the advocate for her. I think what's really hard about that is exactly what you said. Like we think of kids, you know, and so that's our expectation. Like we know they can't do for themselves. We know we have to be that primary, you know, caregiver. And so when it's an adult, especially the adult that was that for us, right. (laughs) You know, it can be hard and it's like, wait a minute, rules are reversed and your expectation is you're an adult, you can do this. But then when you realize that that's not the case, I feel like that would be such a challenge. It was, and it still is. I think, you know, in the very beginning, it was bad for a long months, probably close to a year where there just, there weren't answers. There wasn't a lot of knowledge and her condition really varied. So it went to where she slept all day or, you know, wasn't even able to communicate to me. Luckily, we've come to a point where she is able to function through the day. Uh, But, you know, when we're in a flare or we're what they call a flare. So basically what that means is her disease is very active. Um, When she's in that state, we revert to those situations where she's not able to communicate as well. I do have to take control like, like a parent, right? I have to become the, nope, this is what we're going to do. I need to get you here. This is where we need to, you need to take this. You need to eat that. Uh, But most of the time, you know, she's functional. She's able to do things just with very big limitations. So it becomes that balance of playing that parent, but also, okay, I'm the child again. I'm going to take a step back. (laughs) Let me, let me get back to normal life. Uh, But it does become that, that balance, that back and forth for sure. I can only imagine, um, Heather, that's so hard because, you know, sometimes we think of our parents and we think like, oh, well, we see ourselves taking care of our parents, but not until they become much older, you know, like maybe like 70s, 80s, you know, that's when you start, roles change, you know, but for you, it seems like it happened a little bit much earlier. So it's like, you know, you're growing up, you're coming into your adulthood and you're starting to experience new things, but then here's your mom who's sick, who you dearly love and you got to take care of her. So I can only imagine like how hard that was. Like, can you think of like in this whole process, like what have been like your top three struggles that you face, that you face, like from when everything started? Yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, to just kind of touch on that point too is, you know, when she was first sick, she, there was again, a lot of up and down, a lot of, you know, different situations. And 
she, there was a point where the doctors were like, you know, does she need to go to a home? Like, let's get her there. So she gets the care. And I couldn't do that. She was 55. Like there is no way I'm going to put my mom who is young and active until this happened in a home with like 80, 90 year olds. Like I just, I couldn't do it. Right. So there was, there was no choice in a sense, but to just become that backseat driver just to put my you know headlights on and to continue pushing forward with her I think one of the the biggest struggles has been that dynamic change um there has been you know because I felt no choice but obviously again she's my mom I love her I wouldn't have it any other way it it became that we're gonna swim not sink and we're gonna get through this together and Mm. you know that has really been the partnership that we've created Unfortunately, it is me here in Florida. You know, I have extended family, but they're out of state. My brother, he lives uh, outside of state as well. So, you know, although there's help and support, it is not somebody running to the doctors. It's not somebody grabbing the prescription. Day to day. Correct. That day to day becomes tough. Um, And, you know, I think that was the biggest swap is learning that dynamic, learning how to balance being assertive and getting things done as the backseat driver when I need to, but then also being able to just enjoy time when she's good, right? And enjoy and try to embrace those times when she's doing great and we're able to go do things, you know, go to lunch or go to dinner, go out to the store, go shopping and just do what she can. Um, but learning that dynamic has been one of the, the biggest struggles that I can think of. Um, and then the other one would definitely be healthcare. You know, that can Ooh, be a- Tell us, <laughs> tell us, because that's I have my own feelings about our healthcare system. So I would love to hear what, yeah, from your so point of view. So hard to navigate. And there's been so many obstacles. So not only, you know, when she was first diagnosed, this disease was extremely rare. It was very unheard of. We taught a lot of the ER doctors and nurses what it was. And to this day, now they know because they didn't even have never heard of the disease. So that was one thing. Can can I just ask a question? You said autoimmune encephalitis. So is it like an inflammation of the brain? Girl, you got it. Yes. Um, So she knows her terms. That it Uh, just flares up from time to time. And then it just she doesn't probably get the oxygen or the blood and everything that she needs to. Okay. So there's Wait, a, let's talk later. But I think that doctors are still learning, right? So yes, it's an inflammation of the brain. One, one study suggests is that there's antibodies that cross the blood brain barrier that almost like infect. So like it crosses, these antibodies cross the blood brain barrier and they're basically infecting or the, the brain is like, ah, get them out, get them out. So that's what causes these flare-like symptoms. So her speech declines, her co- like being able to understand things declines, things like that, because even just walking, normal functions all decline because that inflammation is there. So, um, you know, there's other research that suggests that antibodies have nothing to do with it. It's just the brain basically reacting against itself, hence the autoimmune side to it. So lots of research has still needed to be done. She's actually part of two research studies now. Hopefully, in the end, that will, you know, kind of help provide answers for other people. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, 
you're, you're hundred percent right on that. So it's inflammation of the brain. And a lot of people just don't know what causes, where it comes from. They don't know if it's premeditated, if there was something that triggered it before. Yep. yep. Really healthy before. Yes. From one day to the next. Wow. Paul, yeah. that she was, um, you know, not well and had been seen kind of out in her apartment complex and they had rushed her to the hospital and that's where it all started. There was really no sign, no warning. Um, you know, it just came on. And from there, you know, it's just been trying to figure out, trying to learn more about it um, and trying to actually find the triggers too. That's another thing is trying to understand what what causes the flares. We, I now see certain symptoms come on. She gets very tired. She becomes less active. So that's a thing. I start to see her not really being able to put thoughts together. I can tell she's telling me something, but sometimes it doesn't always verbalize. So those are signs that I feel, okay, something's brewing. So we have to, you know, get treatment for it, which is a certain um, infusion that she gets. And, you know, but that has changed over the years. Crazy enough, that continues to change as we continue to treat the uh, the encephalitis in general, it continues to change. So it becomes a little tough trying to find those triggers when things kind of evolve, I think, as the disease evolves in her and we haven't been able to fully tame it, it continues to give us a run for our money. So that she was a part of a research study. So do they help at all with any of the treatments that you need or, you know, what does that look like? So she is involved. So it's with uh, Mayo Clinic and yes and no to answer your question. So they, they do help, but they, so they took a few different samples from her and they run a testing as long as nothing came up that was new to her case or alarming. So like if they found cancer or something that had never been discussed, they would let us know. Otherwise, were truly like her samples are just in a bank and they do random testing over multiple years to partner it with different, I guess, items, right. That they're looking for in those samples and try to find correlations too. But otherwise we won't really know the exact impact she's had on the research, but hopefully, right. Our hope is that it will show some type of markers for the doctors to be able to use against others in their cases and their samples um, that will create some answers or solutions for them. Struggle number two, you know, is, is definitely the healthcare world in itself. Um, you know, starting out, there was a lot of things that we didn't know. We didn't know how to navigate life in general. Shalia, like you said, this was very early for, you know, things like Medicare, you know, 65, you qualify for Medicare, not 55. Um, so that was a, a time where we were jumping through hoops to fill out applications, get denials, have to appeal them and go back and talk to them and have them understand like this is the case. So, you know, it became this <laughs> stressor um, that was really unnecessary in a time that was already stressful. And, you know, I, I, I joke, but really I joke all the time that I'm going to write a book about it because our healthcare system is set up so, so mm, not particular, <laughs> particular. Yeah. You, yes. can, you can be honest, be, you know, let it, let it be yeah. known. Use those words. 
it is just, it's not fair. Yeah. Who are really needing it. You know, um, we were going through a time that was stressful enough. And then to have all these applications, these phone calls, they wanted all these records that were there, like pull them up. I don't know, look them up in the database, right? No, but it, it was just so much that we had to prove. And then, you know, luckily she, you know, was enrolled in long-term disability. So ladies, if you do not have that advocate right here, get your short-term, long-term disability. You never know when you're going to need it, but luckily she had that. Um, and you know, that has helped in a regard. Um, and then also her social security, that was another thing, phone calls, interviews. I had to interview, even though I live with her, I could have really been against her in that sense, because I lived with her, even though I was caring for her, there were things that I had to prove I paid for. And there were things that we had to prove she paid for at that time just so that way she could get approved for things that it was her benefit. Me living in the home should have nothing to do with the fact that my mom is sick. She's no longer working, no longer independent. These are her, you know, these is what, these are her issues. I know that sounds a little insensitive, but these are her issues. So what I do, what is, what income I'm bringing in or whatever shouldn't depend on her living in the home. I'm here to help and be her caregiver. I'm not trying to take her benefits. I'm here to assist, right? But it was seen in such an opposite light that, again, until you're going through it, people don't realize that, wow, our healthcare is not how, it's not set up how it should be. It should be there to help you and to alleviate some of that stress. And when, when really, in reality, it's just a huge stressor. I can't tell you how many times we were denied for things, how many times we had to reapply. There was one point we had to wait a whole year to just reapply for benefits that she should have gotten in the first place. But because I was you know, able to put us in into the condo that we were in and be able to set us up, we were denied because I was able to uh, provide that income, that household income. But again, it's not me applying, it's my mom. Like she's sick, we need to get her the help. So it, you know, I think that is just a huge obstacle. And I know people face that in so many different situations, women who are pregnant and, you know, are no longer working or whatever, you know, they're not working when they have a baby, they can't even get Medicare, things like that. Like our healthcare is just horrendous when it comes to that, but that was a huge, huge struggle. And, And even still, you know, cost of living goes up, your benefits go up, but now cost of living benefits go up and we're in the same boat. So we pay over a thousand dollars for her medical insurance. But if we don't have that a month, then she's not going to get the treatments that she needs, you know, and that's the other thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) We've been denied for the one infusion that keeps her going multiple times. We have to physically go into an ER sit through that ER process. We all know it takes hours to get labs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, they want to do a full workup, but we have to do that every single time because they won't approve the infusion on an outpatient setting. And for what? We know she's sick. It's been six years. We know at this point, this works, this gives her the relief she needs, but yet insurance won't approve it because it's, it is expensive. But why go through room and board, meal, ER bills to have to go inpatient when really we could do it outpatient? So it just becomes this daily struggle of what they're going to approve, what they're not going to approve. Yet when people are sick, our healthcare should be just taking care of them. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's insane that, you know, I work in the healthcare industry and I see that all the time and how much yeah. it go you have to go through. And there's so many loopholes. And um, interesting enough, it's not only federally, like it's not only based on the country, it's a lot based on the state that you're in. Right. You know, I couldn't imagine I, I'm sure, if, you know, Florida's not the worst in healthcare and it's, mm. you know, what it provides, but it's not the best, you know? Right. And so I can't imagine what it would be like taking on this in another state. Right. Well, and then, you know, being that we have family out of state, we had to look at that too. Does her coverage cover her? What if something happened when we were out in Colorado visiting? Like if something were to happen, we'd be in big trouble, right? So we, we, to your point, we had to make sure that her coverage is national or at least gonna be covered in that state because if that's where we're going, where Michigan, we're originally from, like we needed to make sure that that's gonna cover because if not, and she had to go to the hospital, that's out of our pockets and my pockets are not that big. So there's no way, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's so it's true. It's interesting when, you know, just in social work meeting with different people that moved like from New York and they come here and they're like, uh, I'm not getting anything. I'm like, There's I'm not sorry, <laughs> don't compare Florida to New York. You need something, you'll get it here. Like Jillian said, there's so many loopholes. You got to do this. You got to do that just to, just to get a few dollars to get food, you know, just to get some food stamps. It's a big ordeal. So it's, you're right. right. It does change from state to state. I, I was just going to ask, so you mentioned that you've been going through this with your mom for the past six years. Like, what have you done for yourself? Like, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? Like, yeah, girl, self-care routine. Like, how have you gotten through these six years with everything that's been going on? Yeah. And all the expenses that you're pouring into, you know? Yeah, no, so true. Um, you know, to be honest, it is still a discovery. Um, there are things that I do that help me get through the day. There are times where I definitely neglect some of those signs. Uh, Shazia, you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, you know, kind of getting to your breaking point and then being like, ah, I'm here. Um, I, I get there. You know, I think it, it is still something that you learn and continue to work on. <laughs> I don't think anyone's perfect um, with self-care, right? You got to pour into your own cup. Um, but I, I do find myself having a great support system. So I have, you know, I can call my brother at any point in time to just kind of vent through some situations. I have my now fiance who has been who has really been here since the start of all of this. Um, you know, I, I even told him when we started talking, look, my mom is sick you're either going to put up with it or not. And, you know, he, he never left. So he is a great support system to just kind of run things by, talk things out, uh, organize things in my brain, you know, whether that's dates, right. um, you know, just even situations like, Hey, I, I, can I talk to you about this? And we do, we sit and talk through it. So I think a support system is huge. Um, I think that has really helped keep me going through the six years you know, when I do set aside the time for myself, you know, it can be hard, but when I do, I, I paint, I draw, I like to do like, you know, those fancy agendas with the stickers and, you know, I 
And, you know, so stuff like that, again, it, it kind of helps with my self-care routine and, you know, again, putting things out on paper, creating a, an agenda, organizing my thoughts, but also having some creativity with it. So that really helps. And I journal, you know, I think nice. that out again, getting some things off, off your chest or just, again, it's really, you know, I probably should have more event sessions, but it really is just more about like organizing my thoughts, organizing the month, kind of getting things through, talking through some of these situations. Like I mentioned this, you know, trying to find approvals, trying to talk to the doctors and be that advocate. Sometimes you just need to write it out and figure things figure it out, write it down on paper, read it back to yourself and then be able to present it. Right. So, you know, I think that there are times y'all know spontaneous days, lunches with friends help. <laughs> I, I can't plan anything because it never works out that way. But, you know, aside from that, just finding the time as best as I can. It, like I said, it's a journey. I can always improve it, but you have to just make that time for yourself. There's days where I'm like, look, it's nine o'clock. I need to go to my room and I need to decompress. And that's what I do. Because if you don't set the then you're you're just going to be an overflowing cup that's not really benefiting anyone and not even yourself. Preach it. <laughs> no, I think you mentioned a lot of great things. And um, I'm so glad that you have like that outlet of creativity. And I, I remember you love being creative and, yeah, she and things like that. She's really good I have at things it. in my room right now that she created. I think that you, you brought up a lot of things that I personally want to think about and like take into consideration, right? Because, um, you're, you're dealing with so much and still have been able to take that time to kind of decompress journal and things, do things that you love. And I think, um, if, if you had to, if you learned about someone who had to take kind of this backseat, what are some two or three recommendations you would give to them about not only how to handle it, but maybe how to take care of themselves as well? Right. I think for sure, finding a support system, right? So whether that is friends or combination of significant other siblings, whoever you have, I think that support system is huge. I think finding something you love to do. So a habit of some sort, even if it's not all the time, you know, being able to have that outlet is, is definitely huge in what I do. And I think, you know, depending on, of course, on what the situation is, but even some of the research that I've done, I do a lot of research, um, you know, reading different articles, finding different things to support, or maybe kind of debunk some of the things that we've been told. I think that almost brings some sort of therapy because I'm able to understand a little bit more, bring those questions, right? So, however you're that backseat driver finding things to relate to we're actually in a support group on Facebook for this disease and so that is helpful I get a lot of the different you know questions and thoughts out there or being able to show my mom look you know there's other people going through similar situations and just being that advocate for her y'all know I'm a very giving person so being able to provide some of that support to her in that way is also beneficial to me because I feel like together, we're not alone, right? We're, we're kind of going through this. We are not kind of, we are going through this together, but there's also other people going through similar situations. So I guess I could tie that back to that support system, right? Finding a support system and having a habit that you like. So you have that outlet. Yeah. You brought up something really great. You are a giver. And I think each and every one of us has that attribute now that I think about it. Like we're sure. such 
givers, which what you know, which we become a good backseat driver because we're right. givers, right? right. Um, but then, you know, taking what Heather's just said, kind of putting those things in place where you can kind of take the time for yourself. Ladies, is there uh, things that you do to take that time for yourself? No matter what happens in throughout the week, you're like, I have to take my time to do this. For me, like self-care is always trying to find opportunities to do things that make me happy or things that are good for me, you know? So some say that I have FOMO and I don't think I have FOMO. I just think I try to find those things that make me happy and whatever that might look like. Like last night we were on a beach with a, like a fire pit. I was with the, with the moon shiny. Like I was like, this is like the best I have FOMO you know? right now yes like, it was so nice so just like finding those moments that like make me happy and truly embracing it like we'll be in the middle of doing something I'm like let me be present right now and just truly soak this in so even if that's what it looks like wherever I'm at I'm taking a walk I go outside to take out the trash man it is so nice out here let me like so soak this in for a second you know so just finding those moments that make me happy and then doing things that I know are good for me is I won't say that going to the gym makes me happy, but I know it's good for me. And I know when I come home, I'll be like, I'm glad I went and I pushed myself to do that. You know? Yes. Shazia, did you notice we're listening to you? We're being present in the moment. You recognize mindful. <laughs> I remember practicing mindfulness. And I think that that's really what's what it's kind of like my self routine is just being mindful at that moment. So if we're talking about like a weekly basis or like a daily basis, like I, what I like to do is at the end of the night, I like to take like at least 10, 10 to 20 minutes where I'm just like lying in my bed and taking that like mindful moment and just going through my day and, and, you know, just, I pray in, in my own way and, you know, just thanking God for, for everything that went well and for everything that I currently have. And I think that that's what gives me like, Try, I feel that gives me like a good night's sleep or um, also like doing things for myself. Like I've gotten a, um, a membership for, for massages. So like looking forward to, I used to get one a month, but now I've upped it up to twice a month because wow. so girl. I, I just got to like, that's my moment where I just like, and I found like the perfect like massage therapist to like, and it's, she, she just gets me. She gets what I need. And it's like it's my my little like 50 minutes of just laying there, not thinking about anything, just listening to the little music they play <laughs> and her just focusing on like everything that I have so tense that when I leave, I feel like jello. You know, I just feel like I've released all of this. I'm new. Now I can take on what the world brings. So I think that's that's good, too. Like, you know, if you like getting your nails done, if you like getting your hair done, if you like getting massages, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, um, spend that time and that money on yourself. For sure. Yeah. How about you, Jillian? I 100% agree. It's, um, Janelle, you kind of like took the words out of my mouth or maybe we're in sync right now, but mm. they, um, I guess because I work from home. So any experience I have outside, I'm like taking in nature in a whole different level and like just being like super present. I've been like kind of also like feeding into things that I'm like, hmm, I wonder if I'd be good at that. You know what? Let's try it, you know, and kind of exploring different things that 
before I would probably be shy away from or like, oh, come on now, you're going to try something. And then now in my 30 somethings, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, try it. Fail at it. Do it. Um, and that brings me joy. Like it really helps me kind of get out of my box and explore a little bit. And so I'm not like putting on that extra pressure. It In a way, it's like my self-care of just like releasing and just doing it just to do it there's no expectations there's no goal all of it just having you're fun doing it for yourself it. you know yeah. you got to do things for yourself and I'm sure you know being a caregiver we do so much for others we got to also do for ourselves. like I'm for doing sure. this for me for mm -hmm. sure really and you made me think you know I'm working from home now too and so when I do get to go out shoot we just took a whole trip to Colorado and the minimal amount of pictures I have because I truly was mindful right yeah. and just in the experience and you know taking in the site so it, it is it's so true and to me that was like a me trip even though it was my whole family but like it was just so nice to be present with people I love and kind of put aside that day-to-day -day a little bit right in a different setting but it was just so nice to just enjoy being around people and for me that was top notch so yes I agree and then you came away with a ring and <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> such a surprise well, thank you so much Heather for coming on uh to this episode I learned so much I mean and we've been friends forever and I feel like I still learn so much every time we talk so yeah. thank you so much for sharing that story with us um sure. and I really appreciate you for sure, for sure.